Welcome to another week of Once Upon East 112, where our takes are bad, but we stand by them. I am Aaron Nabra, and with me, as always, is Donatus Carroll. Donatus, how are we doing today? <laughs> oh, man, Aaron, I'm doing great, dude. I'm ready to get some bad takes about the AFC South, man. Um, can't wait till I'm able to make a living off of these bad takes right now. <laughs> Nobody's profiting from them. I'm just giving them bad takes for the for the heck of it, but ready to make some profit off of it, my man, dude. How are you feeling, dude? You ready for the AFC South? Oh, man, can't wait. You know, this is the the, re, the division I've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> not really. If y'all remember, we bumped them back once because Cam Newton, a guy named Cam Newton, signed with the team. No big deal. We bumped them up. Um, before we get into it, before I tell the layout, uh, I'd said, Donatus Carroll, as always, we would love to have somebody – Join us on the show coming up on our NFC South show in two weeks. We're going to have friend of ours, Jimmy McDonald, joining us. But whoop, next week, whoop, whoop. next week I believe is the AFC North. So if you are also a fan of the AFC North, I am a Browns fan, as you all know. Uh, we would love to have somebody come on. And our final week is the AFC. Nope, nope, nope. It's the NFC South. <laughs> oh, that's the. No, our final one's the NFC West. See, I'm all confused now. Our final week is the NFC West, so if you were a fan of the Seahawks, Niners, uh, Rams, or I'm missing a team. Who else is over there? Cardinals. Uh, let us know. We'll get you on the show. Um, NFC South, we are already have it reserved with Jimmy, and if you are a fan of the AFC North, hit me up. Hit Don's up. Let us know. Get on the show. We'll bring you along. Um, this week, though, <laughs> before we get into the show, I have made – it took me about four years too long, but I have made a – I've – I don't even have to, have to say this. I have discovered something great. It is the musical Hamilton. I have watched this thing two and a half times <laughs> now, trying to get Donatus to get on board. If you enjoy the, the, the musical as well, hit up Donatus. Make sure he watches it. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I've tried to peer pressure. Don said he was interested. I tried to peer pressure him into it two days ago. Uh, last I heard, he hadn't watched it yet. Is that true, Donatus? That is still true. So uh, get at me on Instagram or Facebook if you think that I should watch the uh, musical Hamilton. Hit me up. Or Twitter. But Don doesn't have a Twitter, so never mind. Because <laughs> loser. <laughs> All right. The uh, non-existent Twitter. Hit me up on the non-existent Twitter anytime you have a problem with one of my takes. At Donatus Can't Tweet. Uh, it's his Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, hit him up. If someone responds, uh, it's not him. I don't know who has that handle, but uh, it's not him. Right. Um, I, this week, the NFC South, uh, we are going to be talking about in this order of least um, – Interesting, the most interesting, as we always do, will be going Jaguars. Uh, the Texans, because they have demoted themselves, thanks to Bill O'Brien, <laughs> for being semi-exciting to, uh, you don't got a chance. Then we're going to move on to the Colts, and then we will talk about the Titans. Uh, guys, do you want first or second bid? Um, I'll take second. I think I started this. No, I'll take first. Yeah, you did the Jets last week. I'll take first. Yeah. I'm not going to stick you with the Jets and the Jaguars in back-to-back weeks. I'll, I'll take we, we are passing off the least interesting every other week. <laughs> God, it's going to the Jaguars. Wait, what you got to say? Awesome. 
So uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so last week I talked about the Miami Dolphins being a team that I think needed that we would really see how interesting they were uh, next year. And I kind of believe the Jacksonville Jaguars fall into that same kind of category. Uh, the problem is with the Jacksonville Jaguars was like two or three years ago. I'm pretty sure it's three years now. They were in the AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Uh, they were like one or two plays away from making the Super Bowl. And now in 2020, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are looking at having a like second or third straight year of having a losing record. Um, they moved on from their quarterback at the time, who was Blake Bortles. Now they're starting a second-year uh, six-round pick, which I don't have anything wrong with six-round picks. Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Um, I am not saying that Gardner Minshew is going to be the next Tom Brady. <laughs> Let me clarify that. <laughs> what I heard was, hot take here, Jonathan is, is saying Gardner Minshew is Brady reincarnate, take to the press. You said that, it. That, that escalates super quickly. People are going to say that I said Gardner Minshew is the next Tom Brady. I am not Because he did. <laughs> um, but on that point, I want to see if, the, if Gardner Minshew can prove the Jacksonville Jaguars right. Um, what I mean by that is they, they moved on from Nick Foles last year, uh, traded him to the, um, the Chicago Bears. Uh, which was the first sign of them saying that they believe in Gardner Minshew. Um, but now they, their backup is Mike Lennon, who's a career backup, mm. uh, never, never really even proven himself as like a, a solid backup. Um, and then some guy named Jake Luton and then actually Joshua Dobbs from Pittsburgh is their fourth string quarterback, which I would expect him to move up. Um, probably, maybe even possibly push Mike Lennon for that second position, second string. But, um, outside of that, it's, it's Gardner Minshew's job to lose. And, and if, you know, if he was to lose the position, Mike Lennon's really not going to win them any games. So I want to see can Gardner Minshew prove that they made the right decision in moving on from Nick Foles and deciding to turn this entire offense, um, and team over to Gardner Minshew. Interested to see what happens with our boy Leonard Fournette. Um, I said our boy. I don't know if you like him or not. I like Leonard Fournette. But Leonard Fournette, either I don't remember if he demanded a trade or if they just decided that they were going to trade him. Uh, either way, he's still on the team. He hasn't been traded yet. So I want to see what kind of trade value he demands um, on the uh, on the open market. And if they do, if they do move on from him, what they get for him. And if not – um, can they make it work with a player who desperately wants to be traded, doesn't want to be there anymore? Um, backing up Leonard Fournette is Chris Thompson, who has been with the, uh, the, um, Washington Redskins for such a long time. Um, he's always been a, more of a pass catching running back. I expect them to use him and Fournette, um, in a, in a dual kind of backfield type offense. Um, which I think is going to be good for Gardner Minshew to have somebody like Chris Thompson where he can dump the ball off to. Uh, Receiver-wise, man, their receivers are actually pretty decent. Um, they've got DJ Chark, who had a really good year either last year or the year before that. 
Uh, D.D. Westbrook, who I think people have kind of been waiting for him to come onto his own, but he's, uh, he's kind of started to, he started to, to show up a good bit last year as well. Um, and then Chris Conley, they've got a guy, Colin Johnson, out of the University of Texas. Um, he is 6'6 six, six and like 215. So I would expect him, watch for him to either be converted to, uh, to tight end or watch for him to be a dark horse to emerge as that third wide receiver. He's a big body for Gardner Minshew, um, who can just really go up and, and catch the ball at the highest point. Again, he's six foot six. Um, so he'll be a good safety safety weapon for Gardner Minshew. Um, they've got Tyler Eifert at tight end, uh, who has been hurt for the past few years. But when he's healthy, he can be one of the, the top tight ends in the league. Um, and then their offensive line is not bad. They've got Cam Robinson and Andrew Norrell um, and then Jawan Taylor, who are all pretty decent at the offensive line. Um, defensively, I want to see Josh Allen. Can he continue to to build off of his rookie year last year? He was uh, uh, one of the studs from the rookie class last year. Um, they still have Miles Jack. Um, did Joe Schobert, I guess he just came over this past offseason, right, from the Browns? Yeah, he might Yeah, they gave him a big contract. Yeah, so Miles um, Jack and Joe Schobert, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Um I think those two, that's going to be really interesting watching them play um, at that linebacker position. Um, also interested to see Calavion chase on. Um, I desperately wanted the Falcons to draft him. They did not. They decided to draft A.J. Carroll. I'm still mad about it. Um, Yannick Nagukwe um, has demanded a good trade uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, so that should allow. Kalevon Chason to step right into that position, and I I think Kalevon Chason is going to be a uh, absolute dominant force um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars off that right end. Um, but then I have questions about their secondary. Um, I don't know anything about Trey Herndon, Ronnie Harrison, or Gerard Wilson. Uh, C.J. Henderson is obviously the uh, corner out of Florida that they took with I think the tenth uh, overall pick. Um, he had questions about his tackling ability. Um, so he's, he's gonna, I mean, he's gonna be matched up with people like Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, uh, Chris, Tom, Chris Godwin, or Mike Evans. So, um, he's either going to really have to be a really good shut down, down corner or he's gonna be able to have to tackle well. And so, um, yeah, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. Doug Marone, um, this is kind of a prove it year for him. Um, I think if he doesn't prove like if they don't if they don't finish halfway decent this year, um, I think Doug Marone's probably gonna lose his job. But I think their offense led by Garner Minshew has enough to where they could work with it as long as <coughs> excuse me. As long as Leonard Fournette um decides that he wants to be part of the team and, and play. So um, that's kind of it. They need to have some playmakers show up defensively, but that's it for the for me and the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. What do you think about this team? You are way more optimistic about them than I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm an optimistic I, by nature. <laughs> I, I know I've I know I've and this may be this is already feeding in a little bit to our over under. 
I know I've given each team, like, I've given several teams, they're only winning three games this season. I fully expect the Jaguars to only win, like, three games this season. Um, <laughs> you, you were going through, and I was like, man, he, I'm, he's being very optimistic. Let me let me read into this team a little bit. I have a lot of questions about the receiving core. Um, yeah. I know Chart showed out last year, and really because uh, D.D. Westbrook got hurt for a majority of the season. Um Without injury, I'm interested to see if because I, I I distinctly remember because I do not I did not know who D.D. Westbrook is going into last year, but in fa- fantasy football wise, people talked him up. I was like he must be good, and then he got hurt, and D.J. Chark balled out. Um, if he can be healthy, if he can live up to what I heard he was supposed to be with D.J. Chark, then maybe they'll be all right. Um, I, I think they're missing a weapon there. I am a fan of Tyler Eifert. I'm not a fan of of the contract. Um, be, mainly because he seems to be hurt every year. When he's when he's healthy, he's great, but that's just so rare and far in between. They they're paying him ten million over or about ten million over two years. Um, and I don't expect you mentioned Leonard Fournette in the trade request. I don't expect he'll play with them at all this season. Um, I'm fully anticipating because he, he I I believe he made the trade request and then it muddled out and nothing's been said since, but. Between Fournette with that trade request and Yannick, um, I'm not going to try and say his last name, Yannick on the defense making the trade request, <laughs> I anticipate <laughs> I anticipate both of them will be gone. Um, I, I really like Gardner Minshew. I think he can be a starting quarterback. I don't think he can be a starting quarterback with the Jaguars, like long-term. I'm talking long-term. Obviously, he is a starter. He has been a starter. He played pretty well last year. Um, I think the Jaguars may potentially be bad enough, and if they are bad enough, that they're going to try and go after the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes because um, mm-hmm. no, no shade to, to Gardner Minshew, but if you're like if you actually end up being bad enough, and there's a chance that you can get a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, um, you know it's it's kind of appealing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I think I think Gardner Minshew can be a quarterback in NFL, a starting quarterback, and I would like to see that. I just don't know if the Jaguars is the place. Um, I mean, they I'm not gonna say Bortles had a great career or or had a potential to be electric. I did want the Browns to take him way back when. Um, he went 11 and five with them, and then immediately turned around and was terrible for the next few years. Um, I'm interested to see whether Doug Marone can keep his job throughout the year because. There was talk that they might fire him, and then they didn't fire him. They, they stood by him, but I don't think that necessarily means he's going to be there long term if they can't turn it around. I think if they do start to go south and they start to look towards the Trevor Lawrence route, I think Doug Marone goes pretty early. Um, their OC is Jay Gruden. I know he's had success um, in the past with Washington, when when he was when he did have to use RG threes, I know none of the Grudens really wanted RG three, but the <laughs> year that that RG three was healthy, he did very well with him. I'm interested to see if he can bounce back from that disastrous time in Washington um, yeah. as he was fired mid year last year. Um, and the defense, I think, what they showed us is that. I think what the Jaguars showed us with their draft by going 
two defensive players with their first two picks, both of them in the first round. They didn't go receiver until the second round, so they missed out on some of the star receivers in the first round that they still could have got. They went defense first, so I think they were looking at their Josh Allen pick from a year ago. They still have Miles Jack. They signed Joe Schobert to a, a pretty big contract, which I was surprised we weren't willing to give Schobert um, that kind of money. Uh, they, they're paying him um, five years, $54 million, which the Browns were not willing to give him that much. So they're paying him big. He, he's a really good receiver, and he's only been in the league for like four years, five years, so he's still relatively young. Um, I think they're going to look at him as a leadership piece. So by the time you take Allen, who's going to be in his second year next year, you have Miles Jack, who has not been as significant as I thought he would be in the NFL, but it's still a, a, a pretty a solid player. You get Chase on um, with Schobert in the linebacker realm. You took C.J. Henderson early. Um, I don't know much about these other DBs, but I think they're looking towards rebuilding, uh, especially from a defensive standpoint to make sure. Because the year they were great, uh, and by great I mean 11-5 and five and really close to the Super Bowl, their defense was hands down one of the best defenses yeah. in the league. And I feel yeah. like that front office is working on trying, even with Blake Bortles, who everyone thought was a mediocre quarterback, even as they were going 11-5, and five, um, that defense was so good. I feel like the GM and the front office are, are thinking, if we can rebuild this defense, our offense right. doesn't have to be, our offense doesn't have to be phenomenal. We can work on it, but we can at least stop people and keep up with them. And I, I think that's what they're angling for. Um, once again, I think this year is going to be a huge growing year for the Jaguars. Um, I, I don't think looking at the schedule, um, it, it's not very favorable for them. They play the AFC North. Uh, they play the other South teams who aren't great, but are, are better than them, in my opinion. Um, they play, who else? They, um, they play a, a whole bunch of, Decent teams. They got the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, who aren't good, but you know, who knows? It could be a slight <laughs> test of terrible. The Lions, who I don't know if they're going to be good or bad. Um, I think I said they were also going to win three games, but you know, who knows? Um, the battle of the three and threes right here, or three and thirteens. But I, I just, I'm not very optimistic for the Jaguars. I really want them to be good again for the sake of Jacksonville. I I know that they are taking more and more games in London, which I don't think is happening this year because of Corona, uh, even though apparently Europe has got their uh, ish together and the U.S. still hasn't. Um, <laughs> but they'd probably be safer over there. But there's had been a speculation that they would go over and <laughs> become the first London team. Like I don't even think they're convinced they're going to stay in Jacksonville, but that's another topic for another day. Um, I just think they're trying to be relevant again, and this year is going to be um, a growth year with looking for the future. Um, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think getting rid of Foles solidified Gardner Minshew necessarily as he's going to be our guy moving forward. I think it was what, um, hmm, I'm going to say this, say what moron is going to take this contract because we don't want him. And <laughs> the Bears stepped up to the plate and they took the mega contract because the Jaguars were like, nah, this, yeah, they're like, this ain't it. We don't want him and there's no reason to pay him all this money if we can try and get, uh, Joe Schobert 
which I think they did overpay. I like Joe Schober. I like him a lot. I think he's overpaid right now. I don't think he's worth $55 million. Um, and then they went out and, and got Eifert. Uh, Mike Glennon is not a reliable number two. I haven't seen Joshua Dobbs actually play. I know that the Steelers fans were hurt when he left, and I have no idea who Jake Lutton is. So as far as this season goes, they either <laughs> need Lennon to ball out or they're looking for one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft, either in Lawrence or, um, crap, the Ohio Fields. State quarterback. Fields. Fields, there we go. Fields, Fields or the kid from, uh, from Notre Dame, which is getting a lot of, of heat right now. Um, I just don't feel good about this team at all. I, I, I think if, if Cameron, if our friend Cameron Jones, shout out Cameron Jones was here, I think he would say they're going to win negative five games. Not putting words in his mouth, <laughs> just saying it. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's, let's, let's talk about some over under here. They won six games last year. I already put my feelings into it. They are not <laughs> going to win six games. They're going to be lucky to win three, in my opinion. I think they're going to win one of those top three quarterback sweepstakes. Um, and I give them no hope. What do you think? Yes, as optimistic as I was about them, I still got them going under the six games. I got them going four and 12. Um, but I think that wow. they're going to, I think they're going to be able to ride the moment, the momentum from this season. And, uh, next year, next year they'll have a better year. But they'll have a, a core intact in next year. So, yes. Four and they would have year, but look out next year. <laughs> Already given insight for next year. Look out for the Jaguars. Don just said they will be Super Bowl contenders in a year. Heard yeah, it here look first. out for the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins next year. This year, both teams are going to be garbage, but next year, look out. You heard it here first. Jaguars and Dolphins. AFC Championship game. AFC uh, Championship game. <laughs> not the half-a-billion-dollar man. <laughs> that would be beautiful, man, because we wouldn't have to worry about it being cold in January. That would be awesome. That'd be great. Moving <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, on to the Texans. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I get to start this one. So the Texans have made some, let's call them, Interesting moves. If you go back in a few of our other podcasts, we kind of, we ripped Bill, Bill O'Brien apart for his, um, um, lack of ability to make an equal trade. Uh, he <laughs> traded away easily a, a top three wide receiver, top two wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Didn't even get a first round pick out of it. In fact, he got a running back who I'm, I want to be really good again. But I'm afraid he's a one-year wonder, um, yeah. and then and then some other second and later round picks, and it left a lot of head scratching going on. Not to mention that the David Johnson trade—I mean, his, his contract is a giant contract, so it even ties their hands uh, financially on being able to bring in other solid pieces and be able to pay people. So that being said. Um, they did go out and try try and replace him with Brandon Cooks. I like Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is not DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah. We've seen varying Brandon Cookses throughout his career. We've seen elite ones in New Orleans, 
And then he went out to the Patriots, who I thought, oh, my goodness, Brandon, Brandon Cooks is a top-five receiver, and he's going to Tom Brady. Didn't really live up to it in New England. Went out to the Rams and looked closer to the Saints Cooks, but not the Saints Cooks, which to me I'm like, you know, is Cooks as elite as I thought he was, or uh, was it, you know, Drew Brees who, who kind of helped that out? Um they, I, like, I want to like this receiving core. They have Cooks, they have Fuller, they have Randall Cobb, they have Kenny Stills, uh, Kiki Kuti, I think that's how you say his last name, I don't know. Um, I apologize <laughs> if you're listening, if I said your last name wrong. Um, I, I hope that he's listening. <clears throat> but I feel like they have a bunch of, of number twos here, which is my biggest yeah. problem in the wide receiving core. They had a, they had a one who allowed Will Fuller, uh, to shine, who allowed Kenny Stills to get some work in. Um, but I don't feel they have a true number number one that the DBs have to necessarily completely worry about because um, I don't believe Brandon Cooks was even a number one with the Rams. Um, Wolf Fuller uh, has battled a lot of injury issues, and it's not just like one game here, one game there. It's like seven-game stretches of being out. Um, and, yes, he is a deep ball threat. But as far as his career has looked so far, that is pretty much all Will Fuller has been. And if you have no one to help pull away the, the deep man off of him, like I'm, I, there's tons of Will Fuller stat lines where I feel like you could look at it and it says like three receptions, 150 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> because he did three go routes and caught three of them and they were successful. Um, so – and Randall Cobb, who was just getting old, he, I, I didn't think he was, um, that productive in Dallas. Um, now he signed a contract with the Texans. Uh, I think he's on his retirement tour. Um, yeah. it's just, there's a lot of question marks to me in this receiving core. Uh, who's, is someone going to emerge as a number one legitimate threat? Or is it going to be a bunch of number twos trying to build a threat and not be there? Um, the line, I think they have one of the best lines in the league. I'm not going to say much there. I think as far as Watson is concerned, he is protected by this line. Um, and I think that's going to also help David Johnson um, try and get back to his former glory. Um, now, Deshaun Watson. We've had – I'm skipping over tight ends because uh, right now I, ha- I, I see my, my depth chart I'm looking at that their starting tight end is Darren Fells, who spent some time in Cleveland. Um, he has <laughs> been he, he's been signed and dropped, signed and dropped by by tons of teams. He has gotten some action in. He's 34 years old. Um, wow. They, they don't have a true tight end, um, and so I'm just going to skip over that because that is a big issue. Not to, I guess I'm not going to skip over it because their wide receiver issue, I think, is a is is a big question mark, and then you add in the fact that they don't really have a true tight end. I don't know any of these other guys. I know Darren Fells because he was with the Browns, and he was like a third-string tight end when we did have him, um, slash fullback, slash we eventually cut him. Um, <laughs> I, and I know they're used to having a tight end. Um, I can't really tell you their, their list of tight ends because the Texans are a team that go through tight ends who are productive, but no one knows their names. Uh, so maybe that's going to be the case here. I do think Deshaun Watson, I know we've had this argument before or discussion before, is a top – he's a top ten receiver with top five talent. 
uh, not receiver, top 10 quarterback with top five talent. Um, what I mean by that is he has the ability to be a top five quarterback in the league, but I think the circumstances that he gets placed in, or especially what's going to happen this season, uh, and the, and the, the decisions by those who make the play calls in Houston is, or makes the personnel decisions in Houston is the reason why I think he's a top ten quarterback and not a top five is because he's not going to be put in a, he didn't even need the best situation to be successful. He just needs an okay situation to be successful. And I don't think they have given him that. Um, in my opinion, they actually took away from it being a good situation or an okay situation by getting rid of Hopkins. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think this year, and this is going to be, no, I'm going to hold out on that. Um, I think Watson, Struggles this year because of um, not having great personnel. I, I'm worried about the receivers and, and their longevity. Um, we don't know about the running backs. Is David Johnson going to be relevant again? Um, I'm interested to see about Duke Johnson. They, Duke Johnson, former Browns running back, he was a fantastic um, uh, third down back for us, a great receiving back. Uh, demanded a trade. We traded him to Houston. The Houston, like, used him barely at all, which I thought was a shame because I thought they could have done a lot with him. Um, I'm interested to see how they integrate Duke Johnson with David Johnson, uh, the Johnson and Johnson. If, uh, hey, if, by, <laughs> if by bouncing off each other, if they're going to be able to kind of help each other out and, and get that offense going, so therefore you're threatened by the run, so maybe that frees up some of the wide receivers in the backside. Um, and then looking at the defense, um, you know, I think there's a bunch of question marks here. I think their DBs are good. It's the rest of it I'm worried about. Um, J.J. Watt, we know, you know, great defensive end, major durability issues at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, if, if he can't make it, and what we saw last year, if he can't make it through a full season, their their pass rush is non-existent. Um, their defense is not nearly as scary up front without J.J. Watt. Um, granted, on the back end, uh, they signed Bradley Roby, who is a great cornerback, uh, Vernon, Vernon Hargraves, uh, who's a pretty good cornerback, and then they signed Eric Murray from Cleveland, um, who was really good for us last year. He spent one year in Cleveland, but then he got hurt, went down, uh, but he was a solid safety. Uh, but outside of that, I think there's a ton of question marks here. I know the Texans had kind of built themselves on being a tough defense over the past few years. Um, I'm just worried that this year we're going to see a huge drop off, especially if Watt can't stay healthy. Um, and if they're, and if, if you can get ran all over up front, um, if you can get ran all over up front, then I'm worried that uh, you're not going to have to worry about how, how good the DBs may be because if I can get five yards on a carry, why would I ever throw it against your defensive back? Um, and then when you have to respect the run in that manner, then I'm just going to throw it over the top of you. So I'm interested to see how this defense goes. Um, what's your thoughts, Dondas? Yeah, um, I agree with the majority of what you said. Um, uh Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are both pretty much the same wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. 
for, except for like Will Fuller's a little bit taller. I, well, I think he's probably I don't know he's he's probably over six foot. I think Brandon Cooks is five eleven. Um, so the thing with the with the wide receivers in Houston, when you talk about specifically with with Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, is if the two of them can stay healthy, then I think they could be an underrated top duo in the NFL. Um, the problem is both of them, especially within the past year, battled injuries. Um, I think you hit it right on with, with Will Fuller as far as he's probably – he could have a game where um, he has, you know, five or six receptions for – well, last year with the, with the against the Falcons, he had like ten receptions or something crazy like that for like 200 and something yards and like three or four touchdowns. Um, but then, like, there were games where he may have, like, two targets, one reception for seven yards, um, and no, obviously no touchdowns. And I know this because I've made the mistake of drafting and picking up Will Fuller in fantasy football just because he gives you that boom um, opportunity. But when he busts you, he busts extremely um, a lot. And and Brandon Cooks is kind of the same way. Brandon Cooks is probably a little bit more sure when it comes to receiving the ball. Um, he's probably more, he's probably more sure at that, uh, intermediate, maybe even the short game, but he's still a burner as well who, um, you're really expecting both of them to, to stretch the field, um, to, to open it up, hopefully underneath, but they don't really have a wide receiver. Like you said, Randall Cobb is, 30-plus years old, he's not really that great in the middle of the field anymore. Kiki Kuti um, has the opportunity, I think, to be a pretty good third receiver, maybe even a decent second receiver, um, but he's still young and learning the game. So um, Fuller and Cook's health is going to be the major question, I think, for that offense. Um, but then you look at even, again, with their running back, David Johnson, um, they gave up way too much for David Johnson. Like, even if David Johnson, best case scenario, ends up being a top five running back, which he's not. I don't think he's going to be a top ten running back. I'll be surprised if he's a top 15 running back. Um, but let's just say best case scenario, David Johnson ends up being a top five running back. They gave up. Like you said, they gave up a top three, maybe even top two wide receiver um, and another two two picks to have David Johnson. And I just think that, that they gave they gave up way too much for a running back who has been hurt, was demoted in Arizona last year. Kenyon Drake ended up taking his position. Um Chase Edmonds ended up taking his position. By the end of last year David Johnson was a third string running back. Um and the two running backs ahead of him weren't even really all all pro or even really um, top 20 running backs. And so you're now you're counting on David Johnson to stay healthy, like you said, to return to that one-year wonder that he was. Um, he's also had injury question marks. Um, Deshaun Watson has had injuries in the past. So this offense, man, this offense could be at their best-case scenario if everybody stays healthy. The Texans have the potential to be a top five offense just from a talent perspective. Um, that's everybody staying healthy and everybody achieving their max. Um, but 
you know, what's more realistic is they could they could very easily finish top fifteen, maybe even top twenty in offense. Um, which is just really sad because they have so much potential and talent on that offense. Um they finally, like you said, they finally addressed their, their line issues. Um, Laramie Tunsil came in and performed really well for them. Nick Martin's been a really good center for a, for a long time. Titus Howard, again, at right tackle, has, has started to come on his own and, and was able to kind of do some stuff last year for them. Um, I want to see, we just saw yesterday Patrick Mahomes get paid. I want to see if this, is Deshaun Watson going to sign a contract extension or, or not? Are they going to either trade him or let him walk in the offseason next year. Um, does he believe enough in, in Bill O'Brien to sign a contract extension? And if so, is it going to be a long-term contract or not? Um, defensively, uh, J.J. Watt, like you said, I just realized I was looking it up. J.J. Watt's 31 years old. He's probably got another one or two years left in him before he needs to probably retire. Um Charles Amenahu came out of the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick last year, um, and he obviously they, they liked what they saw out of him because they've got him slated to be a starter next year. Whitney Merkulis has been good for, for a while, too. Uh, Zach Cunningham, I think, started to come on in his own last year as well. Um, I, you're a lot higher on their, on their uh, defensive backs than I am. Um, but I think they have potential with Gary and Conley, um, Lonnie Johnson backing him up. Vernon Hargraves came from uh, Tampa Bay, and he had a couple of really good years. And then Bradley Roby was good, too. Um, I don't know too much about Justin Reed or Jalen Watkins. Um, so, for me, the majority of the questions come at that uh, defensive back position. Um But then I, I, I don't know if they'll be able to get enough pressure on their def- defensively. Um to to really make some noise. So um, that's it for the Texans, man. I think it's kind of sad because I think, you know, again, last year the the Houston Texans um, went into Kansas City, got up on Kansas City, uh, what, 24 to nothing or something like that? And then they just kind of fell apart. And uh, I don't know if after they fell apart, Bill O'Brien just kind of lost his mind and was like, okay, we're trading everybody. Um, so yeah, the last thing I'll say about the Texans is you kind of alluded to it a little bit is with Duke, Duke Johnson, free Duke Johnson, man, free Duke Johnson. That guy is way too good for Bill O'Brien to continuously screw him over. They either need to use Duke Johnson or they need to trade him. Um, I would love to have Duke Johnson in Atlanta, man. I think Duke Johnson, man, I said, I'm, I don't know that he would, that he, that he could be like, a a clear-cut number one running back. But I definitely think we saw with the Browns that he could very well be a a decent second um, running back. Again, like you touched on, he's a really good receiving back, and he's a good third down back. So they either need to use him or or trade him, man. So that's it with the uh, Houston Texans over under. I don't know how many games they won last year. I should have pulled it up. I think they won 10. They won 10. So – are you over-under on them winning 10 games this year? Well, before I say over-under, I do agree. Duke Johnson is not, in my opinion, a, a number one back, but he is, without a doubt, a solid number two back. Um, hashtag yeah. free Duke Johnson. <laughs> free, um, free Duke Johnson. 
Man, we're going under on this, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So here, here's what I, I based mine off of. Um, their first four games is at Kansas City versus the Ravens, at the Steelers versus the Vikings. Um, there is a yes, there is a solid chance that yeah. they come out of the and then they get a break with the Jaguars before then hitting the Titans, followed by the Packers. So there's a chance in the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in the first seven games, they could be six and – Oh, sorry. I just interrupted our whole podcast with a sneeze. Um, I'll try and uh, – now I'm talking about that. I'm trying to cut that out. But uh, there we are. Um, there's a chance they end up one and six in the yeah. first seven games. And then they get the Jaguars again, and they follow it up with the Browns, Patriots, Lions are a joke, Colts, Colts, Bengals, Titans. I mean, it's it all depends on how they start out for me. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think this team is good enough right now to start out in that four game stretch good, um, which leads me to say under, and I believe they go like. I think they reverse their record next year. I think they go from ten and six oh, wow. to six and ten. I'm afraid that defense wow. doesn't get it done. I'm afraid that I, I have too many concerns about the wide receiver game. Uh, and if the wide receivers can't have can't really open it up, then their defense you can put eight in the box and just shut down that easily. Um, I th- I think their ceiling to me is seven wins, but I'm going to go six and ten this year. I think Bill O'Brien gets the boot. Um, and yeah, what about you? Yeah, so I uh you you kind of swung me a little bit, man. I had them going 9 and 7. Um that's just because I'm such a huge Deshaun Watson fan. Um but you know, the more that you talk about it, the more that I look at their um I was expecting their their uh defense to carry their offense, but once I really started looking at it, that defense is not good. Um yeah. there's there's a lot of injury concerns on that offense. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll put them down going seven and nine, um, which is just one game more than you. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I had them going nine and seven just because I'm such a huge Deshaun Watson fan, but he's going to need a lot of help <laughs> and he can't play. Well, I, think, defense, so. I think yeah. the, the situation would even be different if they didn't have that four or really even seven game stretch yeah. that they have. Like, yeah. if, they, if, if their easier games were up front and they could kind of find some kind of rotation, maybe the wide receiver is a little more productive than I thought. Um, but they're starting out <laughs> with the Super Bowl champs as the very first game of the season. And then they're following it up with the Ravens, um, who was the most dominant, one of the most dominant teams last year. Uh, the Steelers yeah. could be a give-me game depending on what Roethlisberger we see, but their defense is still really good in in, in um, Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I just – because of that start, I think they find a footing to not be terrible, but I think it's like 6-10, and 10, max 7-9 and nine to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you're right. All right. Now to the team that I think in this division – has become one of the more appealing teams, um, the Indianapolis Colts. Go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. This, this, this is yours, Jonathan. This is yours. 
with the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, questions that I have about them. Um, I think so much of the Colts comes down to Phillip Rivers. Um, my first question is how much do they expect out of Phillip Rivers? Because I think that, you know, a lot of, so a lot of times we as human beings, we are not good at seeing our blind spots. Like we see ourselves a lot better than other people see us. And I think that's just like a human tendency. Um, and I think it's kind of the same way with Philip Rivers. Like, I think that Philip Rivers genuinely believes that he's probably a top five quarterback or at least a top ten quarterback. And he's just not. Like, <laughs> Philip Rivers is now, he's now like a top 20 quarterback, I think. Um, and to me, like, that's kind of a gracious top 20 quarterback. Um, but I think, like, Philip Rivers believes a lot more in himself than others do. I think, like, I, I think he still thinks that he has a strong arm. I think that he still thinks that he's pretty accurate. And we've seen within the past two years that he struggled with accuracy and he struggled to get the ball downfield. Now, what really works in Phillip Rivers' is, um, defense is that the, the Indianapolis Colts are set up to run the ball and just need a decent, competent quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over. Um, Philip Rivers, is, to me, is a step above Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett last year tried to do um, a little bit too much at times, and I think if they're not careful, Philip Rivers may fall into that same kind of um, temptation. But I think I think that Philip Rivers is going to be able um, to to do exactly what they need him to do with that offense. I'm super excited about this running game, man. I think that the the Indianapolis Colts will have um, a top five, maybe even top three running game. Um, I'm excited to see what this two-headed monster with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack look like. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I've been super high on since he was in Wisconsin. He finished with one of the most productive uh, careers for a running back. Um, his only problem is he, he's had problems fumbling the ball in the past. And so um, in the NFL, you can't afford to put the ball on the ground. Marlon Mack came on um, his own really a couple years ago and then really especially last year. He kind of battled injuries last year as well. But I think if he could stay healthy, um, I'm excited about the potential with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack um, this year. Um, I heard a crazy stat that their offensive line. So last year, I talk, last week, I talked about how the Bills are returning the same offensive five offensive linemen um, for the second year in a row, which is really hard to do. Um, the Indianapolis Colts are returning the same five offensive linemen for the third year in a row, which is insane. Uh, it's almost unheard of in the NFL. And in this in this NFL, man, your offensive line dictates so much. But their offensive line, again, the same five people for the third year in a row. And there's some dogs, dude. Like I, I don't like to refer to players as being animals, but man, like these dudes are just <laughs> they're like they're they're on that level, man. Um, let me pull them up. You look at uh Quentin, Quentin Nelson, um, Anthony Costanzo. Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky, Brandon Smith, um, 
Costanzo and Nelson and Kelly, I think you could all make the argument for being the best at their position, left tackle, left guard, and center um, in the entire league. Um, and then those other two are obviously no joke either. So um, I'm super excited. Like, those those five players, they love to get out and just run the ball. Um, so I expect the Colts to to finish with one of the top running games in the league uh, this year. Um, but on the, on the flip side, I don't know what their passing game is going to look like. Again, Phillip Rivers has gotten old. He can't really push the ball downfield like he used to. T.Y. Hilton has battled injuries. They drafted Michael Pittman Jr. out of, uh, USC, who he's, uh, he's 6'5 and, or 6'4, 223 pounds. I think they're expecting him to really be a big body, uh, speed wide receiver. Interested to see what Paris Campbell is able to do. He came out of Ohio State um, either last year or the year before. Interested to see what happens with him. Um, and then can Jack Doyle stay healthy enough to be productive again at tight end? Um, I do have some questions about their defense. Their defense was able to create momentum towards the end of last year. Uh, I want to see if they're able to continue to build on that momentum. Darius Leonard, one of the best, if not the best, um, linebacker in the league. I think you can make that argument that he's that he's a top two or three linebacker um, in the league. Uh, interested to see how DeForest Buckner pre- performs. They traded their 12th or 13th pick for him. Um, he too, man, he's 6'7 and 295 pounds. Um, he came out of Oregon a few years ago. He's been really good for a really long time. Um, interested to see how him and Justin Houston perform on the left side, left hand side of the that defense. Uh, Justin Houston is getting up there in years, but I think he's also been um, good enough to where he can be he can give them enough production to for them to be okay at the the defensive end at the at the uh, left hand side. Um, linebackers Anthony Walker. I don't know too much about Bobby. Okariki, uh, but he has a fun last name to say, so maybe he'll be good. Um, <laughs> and then Rocky Sin at corner and Kenny Moore. have a couple of questions about them. Rocky Sin, I think they took last year, um, so this will, this will be his second year. But they've also got Xavier Rhodes, man. Um, and then TJ Carey, who you can obviously talk more about him, but he was with the Browns for a really long – I think he was with the Browns for a really long time. No, he was with the Browns. I don't know how long he was with them, but I think at times he was pretty productive. It was productive like three years, Browns. but still. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he was pretty productive for the Browns. Man, you could probably touch about, touch on that a little bit more. Um, I want to see, is, is Xavier Rhodes able to – I'm not even looking for Xavier Rhodes to be elite like he was a few years ago. I'm just looking for him to look like he knows how to play corner again. Like last year, he looked like he had absolutely no idea what he was doing out there um, for the Minnesota Vikings. So I really hope that Xavier Rhodes is able to kind of turn his career around because I'm a huge Xavier Rhodes fan. Um, and then finally, I want to see can R- Rodrigo Blankenship win out that uh, kicker position. We never talk about kickers on this podcast, but if we're going to talk about one, I think that Rodrigo Blankenship is the one to talk about. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm interested to see how, how the Colts and, and Phillip Rivers pair. I think the majority of their success or lack of su- success 
is going to come down to how much they ask of uh, Philip Rivers. I'm a huge uh, Frank Reich fan, um, so I hope that he's able to kind of get this team to where they have the potential to be after this year, man. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on the uh, Indianapolis Colts? So, first off, you got to get off Philip Rivers. This man <laughs> is still the man. Um, I, I ragged on Philip Rivers. For far too long. Was that? Is he a top 10 quarterback? No, he's, he's like top 15. He's top 15. Okay. Um, but he has, I think, what it takes to really elevate this team at least for a year. I don't think, I know his contracts for one year. I feel like depending on how he feels and what they feel about Jacob Eason, because I, I truly believe that Jacob Eason got put in a really good position. He got taken in, what was it, the, the, the fourth or fifth round, uh, whatever it was. And yeah. I think he got t- taken in a good situation where he can learn behind Philip Rivers. Cause I think Philip Rivers will be actually good, a good mentor for him. Um, is Philip Rivers a top ten quarterback? Absolutely not. I still think he's top fifteen. I think last year in uh, San Diego, not San Diego, shoot, uh, in LA, had a lot to do with their <laughs> offensive line. Um, I don't believe their offensive line was that great. I don't even believe he had great receiver help last year. I think this year you've already touched on the offensive line. I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, the fact that a unit has been together for three consecutive years and not just yeah. together but been as productive as they are for three straight years is is huge. Um, yeah. This is a team that's two years removed from being um, from being a playoff team or a playoff-threatening team. Um, this past year they went uh, – but they go seven and nine, maybe was it? Yeah, uh, yeah they went seven and yeah. nine. But the year prior, they went ten and six. Uh, you know, ten and six is not a glamorous record, but that's compared to them being trashed the year before when Luck was hurt. So they had a great quarterback in Andrew Luck last or two years ago, um, who, as you all remember, retired at, <laughs> at just out of the blue during the off season. Um, but had a great year that year. I think a lot of this seven and nine had to do with the fact that, you know, I like Jacoby Brissett. I just don't believe Jacoby Brissett is a starter. Um, they had the 30th ranked pass offense. I think a lot of that had to do with Brissett. Um, I know T.Y. Hilton was hurt a little bit, um, but the, their pass offense wasn't good. Their run offense was seventh in the league, and I was kind of surprised by that because I didn't expect Marlon Mack to ball out like he did. Um, yeah. but this year you have a quarterback with a skill set of, of, um, oh, I just forgot his name. Who is their quarterback? I, I'm Philip Rivers. There we go. Um, you have, you might have the talent of Philip Rivers. Yes, he threw a lot of interceptions last year. Yes, he forces a lot of throws. Um, but once again, he wasn't well protected last year. He was trying to make things happen. I think Philip Rivers is trying to make a playoff push, and I think he saw the Colts roster before the draft and said, okay, this is during the free agency period, and said, I can work with this. Um, then they go out and they picked up Michael Pittman, who I think is going to be a solid wide receiver, and the fact that he has T.Y. Hilton in the one spot is going to allow him to open up and kind of learn the position from an NFL standpoint on reading defenses and everything and to become a legitimate threat. This run game, as you mentioned, I am very intrigued by. Um, um, 
Marlon Mack balled out last year, and then you followed up with drafting Jonathan Taylor, who I was skeptical of when we did our draft coverage. Um, but I have come around on since watching some some film of him, and I think this is going to be a great yeah. one-two punch, hopefully a great one-two punch. So, therefore, you have to respect that run game. So, therefore, Phillip Rivers can open it up and hit up with T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, Jr. Um, they went out and got Trey Burton, who I think is an underrated tight end to go with Jack Doyle, who I also think is an underrated tight end. Uh, Jack yeah. Doyle didn't have quite the year that I thought he would have as a receiving tight end because Jacoby Brissett uh, was throwing him the ball. Um, once again, nothing is Jacoby Brissett. I just don't think as a passer he's as good as, say, Phillip Rivers or Andrew Luck. So, therefore, um, you have a little, someone a little more seasoned in there. Um, I don't think Jacoby Brissett is with this team – if they really like Jacob Eason and they see his growth with Phillip Rivers, I believe Jacoby Brissett is the backup this year, and then he's gone the next year if they look at moving forward with Eason or if Phillip Rivers signs a second year and continues to work with Eason. I think Eason, once again, is in a very good scenario with this. And in this defense, I think, is a very intriguing defense. Um, yeah. They went out. They got DeForest Buckner. Uh, their, their middle line of defense last year, I think a lot had to do with the offense was so bad that, you know, when your offense is bad and your defense is constantly out on the field, it kind of wears them down. <laughs> I think going out and snagging DeForest Buckner um, was a great move by the Colts. Um, he's going to be a great man to kind of man that front four. Um, they have Justin Houston on the outside, who who is a force to be reckoned with. You got Darius Leonard, who is a great linebacker. Um, and then as far as their DBs go, I mean, Xavier Rhodes, who I'm excited to see if he can bounce back. Malik Hooker, who is a baller. TJ Carey, who was really good. He's not going to be your, your stud stud, but he was great for us in Cleveland. I hated to lose him. I thought he was a really good cornerback. Um, and then, uh, Rocky Asin, who I wish the Browns had drafted a year ago. Um, he didn't really make the splash that I thought he would last year, but I think with this experienced DB core, he may not, Obviously, with Carey on one side and Rose on the other, um, he's not going to be a starting corner. He'll be the, probably their nickel corner. Uh, but to see him grow with two elite or one elite and one really good cornerback, I think this team is going to be very intriguing this year. Um, as far as your kicker point, I think Blankenship fills the spot. Um, I don't know who Chase McLaughlin is. I do know who Rodrigo Blankenship is. And for that reason alone, I think he wins the spot. Um, <laughs> but this is, this is a team that all suddenly, like, I'm excited to watch. I also like yeah. Frank Wright. I, I thought we saw true what Frank Wright could do two years ago. Um, now people may would look at last year and say, yeah, but if he's a really, really good coach, he could have taken, you know, Jacoby Brissett and still won because it's essentially the same team with a different quarterback. Um, we got to remember that when Luck made this decision. It was like after the draft and after free agency. Like we were coming close to the season when he called it. And it was like, oh, snap. Now we got to work with this new quarterback. Uh, he was on the team already, but we all suddenly got to develop him to be the starter when we thought we were going to have luck. Um, yeah. and to still go seven and nine, I thought is pretty good for that quick turnaround. Um, when you're prepping, you know, the whole year to have luck and you don't anymore. But I do like Frank Wright. I think this is going to be an intriguing team to watch. Um, last year, they won seven games. What do you think they do this year, Dondas? 
Yeah, uh, real quick, man, I completely forgot about Jacob Eason. I think you made a really good point um, about Jacob Eason. And then, too, Austin Naheem Hines, man. You know that um, Phillip Rivers loved throwing the ball to Austin Eckler um, out of the backfield last year. Naheem Hines looked for him to make a make a splash at that Austin Eckler and the Colts. Um, they won seven games last year, man. I think they – I'm going to say easily, but – it may not be too easily, but I think they easily, uh, they're easily over. I've got them going either 10 or 6 or 11 and 5. Um, I've got them down for 10 and 6, but I would not be surprised if the Colts went 11 and 5. Um, and that may be a little too optimistic. I guess we'll hear how much you have them winning. Um, but I've, I've got them easily winning more than seven games. I've got them going 10 and 6, dude. How about you? How many games do you have them going, winning? Yeah, before I say this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna re-respond to your Eason thing. I, I'm not a fan <laughs> too much of Eason. I know we are doing this in very unconventional fashion. <laughs> um, but I, I think of all the quarterbacks, like of all the late quarterbacks who, who were seen as potential starters, I think he got put in the best scenario because he yeah. has that veteran who I don't think will be there more than two years. I could see Rivers signing for a second year, which would be perfect, in my opinion, for Eason, because I don't think he's right. anywhere near ready to be a starter. Um, so to learn under Philip Rivers for two years, I thought they're the same type of quarterback. They're just gunslingers. Um, it could be good for him, and the Colts could set themselves up to have a successful future with Eason. Um, as far as their over-under, I'm gonna do like I did with the last team. So this is this is the Colts' first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, right? Jacksonville, Vikings, Jets, Bears, Browns, Bengals, Lions. Out of those seven games, I think there's two that would threaten them in terms of <laughs> a loss, like, and those two being the Vikings and the Browns. Um, yeah, right. As far as the rest go, unlike the Texans, they have a very easy first seven yeah. games. Yeah. I think that's going to allow Phillip Rivers to get comfortable with this offense um, and then the defense to get back in sync because, you know, with coronavirus going on, they're not really together much. But between that and between Phillip Rivers getting in sync, it's going to allow them to potentially have a, you know, I could see that being – a, a five and two to seven and zero oh start, in my opinion, depending yeah, on how yeah. depending on how the Vikings respond in week two after having a new offense coordinator, depending on how the Browns get going with their new head coach, it could be anywhere from five and two to seven and zero. Oh, and I think it's just uh, the the schedule gets significantly tougher after that. But their ending games are the Raiders, Texans, Steelers, Jags, which could end as <laughs> three and one. Um, yeah. And there's ten games in and of itself. I think they yeah. they split with the Titans. Um, I think still a few more games. In my opinion, I agree with you. I think this is an easy 10-11 win season um, for the Colts, and it's way over seven wins. In fact, I would go as far to say I would be stunned if they don't win at least ten games. I think Phillip yeah. Rivers is still that good, and they have enough talent there that um, they should easily, in my opinion, be a, a, a double-digit win team. Um, I agree. Easily. Easily. All right. Our last team. Is this me? Did you start yeah, the call? this is you, man. I did. Okay. All right. So we're going to end 
with oh yeah they didn't win their division last year. So they were going to end I, with the I division just realized that. Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's because the like, Titans had a much more successful end of the season. Like yeah. even even the last the few games of the, the season, season, and then anyway, winning so. against the Ravens in the playoffs. In my mind, they were just they won the division. So here's Tennessee Titans, um, the team that I think. Maybe the favorite to win the division according to, uh, the professionals. I don't know. I'm just making it up. They may be. Um, here's my questions about them. So, my big question mark is all in the same category. Like, obviously they have a really good run game, which I'm interested to see if Derrick Henry can keep that up. Cause Derrick Henry for the past few years, he's been very interesting in terms of he starts out really slow, and then he just picks up drastically. Like, he goes from running <laughs> 60 yards a game, like in the first four games, to where he's running 200 yards a game. And it's like, whoa, yeah. where, did this, where did this come from? I feel like he's done this for the past two years. But I think they have a great running back. I think they have a great offensive line. Um, I'm interested to see how Kelly Dennis uh, comes in at right tackle, or is Isaiah Wilson from Georgia going to take over that spot because they lost uh, Conklin to the Browns. Other than that, I think their offensive line is still really good. My major concern falls with the wide receivers yeah. and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I know that Ryan Tannehill came in for Mariota and made a giant splash and was everything that Miami wished he would have been when he was in Miami and was excellent. I fear, and then they went out and paid him a duke ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see if he can keep that up in year two with Tennessee and be that true starter. I would like him to be a true starter. That would be nice. I, I think Ryan Tannehill was put in a, a – a rough situation with Miami. He saw it through the Adam Gase years, and those aren't good years. Um, but he has no true backup behind him with experience that can come in and take over if he's doing terrible or no one to really even compete with him. I think one great thing about having Mariota there, and you can't really keep a, a potential starter as your backup all the time, but when he got the chance to come in over Mariota, there's always the chance that he played so bad that Mariota would come back in. There's no one to ward off now. Um, so I'm interested to see, can he keep the level of play that he did last year? Last year, he, it got to a point where if he just threw 100 yards a game, they were going to win because that was just enough because Derrick Henry was going to do the rest of the work. And that was near the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I want to see if he can really develop this pass game because that is where – I think they struggled last year. Um, I'm, it's hard to look at their team stats for passing. They were 21st in the pass game. That's some with Mariota, some with Tannehill. The run game was third in the league. Um, so everyone had to worry about that, and Tannehill just had to be good enough. On the flip side, his receivers um, are Corey Davis, who is yet to be the wide receiver they hoped he would be. Um, A.J. Brown, who I thought was was – Really good last year um, for being a rookie. Um, and then Adam Humphrey, who they paid a lot of money to but didn't really do much last year. I'm not sure if he battled injury. I have no idea. 
Um, but the receiving game essentially was not there last year, and you just had Derrick Henry doing the work and Tannehill at the end of the season, I'm talking. Because like, when Tannehill first came in, he was throwing for 200-plus yards, was being proficient. The run game was complimenting it. No concerns. At the end of the season, Tannehill fired off a bunch of um, of low yardage games um, and wasn't really uh, helping the offense, if you will. Um, so, all right. Anyway, um, that's my big concern. <laughs> that's my big concern with the offense: is is can Tannehill step it up this year? and they become a true threat through the air. Um, as far as the defense goes, I'm not all too concerned with this defense. Um, now, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know many of the names on here, but I didn't know many of them last year either. Um, I think they signed Vic Beasley. I'm interested if Vic Beasley can step up and be in Tennessee, what he was supposed to be in Atlanta, and what he was in Atlanta for his first season, and then he just kind of disappeared. Um, yeah. I, I know that um, this defense uh, was built on by by Mike Vrabel on being a tough, get after it defense, and that's exactly what they were. And you saw in a lot of their games, um, especially at the end of the season. I mean, they were slugging teams, um, and so can they keep that up? They they were able to do that. They went in and beat New England, held them to 13 points, uh, beat Baltimore held them to 12 points, the most electric offense in the league, um, or one of the most electric offenses in the league, held them to 12 points. And once again, Tannehill put up 88 yards, but Derrick Henry ran for 195. Similarly, in their wild card round, Tannehill threw for 72 yards, and Henry ran for 182. But the game they lost and where Kansas City came back on them, Tannehill threw for 209 while Henry only ran for 69 yards. So the, their offense is, is highly reliant on Henry. Tannehill, in my opinion, for them to take that next step, needs to step it up with them. Where, where they saw major success in the regular season, there's a few games where Tannehill threw for 300, 200, uh, upper 200, 300 yards, and Henry ran for 100-plus, uh, and they, they beat teams down. Anytime Henry ran under, um, really under 90, they lost. Um, so I need, I need to see. I, I, I completely ignored the defense. I was talking about them and went straight back to the offense. Um, <laughs> obviously, you can see where my major concern is, is this offense. The defense, once again, don't know too much about a lot of these players, but I do know that a lot of them were there last year, and they played tough last year, as Mike Vrabel had them doing. Um, I expect that again. Uh I think that some of their DBs are really good. They have a solid DB. Uh, they have Malcolm Butler sitting back there. They went out and drafted Christian Fulton. They have Kevin Bayard, who I think is one of the best free safeties in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenny Vaccaro, um, Adore Jackson. Their DB situation is solid. The rest, I, I'll be honest, don't really know. But I know they were solid up front and to see if they can kind of amplify that next year because uh, the way they lost was like most teams that played Kansas City in the playoffs. It was an upsetting comeback loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, also, since we're talking about kickers, uh, there's a giant kicker battle down here. So we got Greg Joseph going against Tucker McCann 
I have no idea who Tucker McCann is, but <laughs> Greg Joseph is a former Brown. We signed him uh, after we – I don't remember who the kicker is. We released um, – oh, Zane Gonzalez. We released Zane Gonzalez two years ago. We signed Greg Joseph um, from sitting on the couch, and he was solid for us, and then we let him go for a guy that we, we drafted. So watch Greg Joseph <laughs> to uh, come out on top of that legendary battle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I'll start with your kicker point, dude. I don't know why I thought that Greg Joseph had been in the league for like 15 years. Not really, but I thought he'd been in the league for like <laughs> 10 years. He's only like 25, so I don't I don't know why I thought he'd been there for a while. Um, so yeah, I, that it will be it's going to be interesting to see which one of those two end up winning um, that kicker battle. Um, I thought you did a really good job touching on um, the offensive, the offense and defense both. You made a lot of the same points that I was going to make, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, like you said, my my major question mark is going to be with Tannehill. Um, is he going to be for real now that he's gotten paid? Um, Ryan mm-hmm. Tannehill was the uh, eighth eighth overall pick. Um, I don't remember when he was drafted, but he's 31, so he's been in the league for at least eight or nine years. Um, out of Texas A&M, uh, he was a former college wide receiver, played quarterback for a couple of years, maybe even just a year, and then came to the league. He's got a really strong arm. I think the questions that we've always had about Ryan Tannehill is can he stay healthy and can he be accurate enough? Um, but you saw last year they didn't ask him to do too much, but I don't know how much of that was that he didn't have too much pressure on him. Because, I mean, like, let's be honest, like, he took a position for Marcus Mariota, and you're not really worried about Marcus Mariota taking the position back from you, you know? Um, Yeah. So now that it's his team, um, none of those Dolphin teams were really, like, as talented as this Tennessee Titans offense is or defense um, team is in general. So it's just a whole lot of different um, pressure that's put on Ryan Tannehill because now you're expecting him to uh, to be the main guy and to lead as, uh, a team who I think the majority of people are expecting the Tennessee Titans to be one of the top teams um, in the in the NFL specifically in the AFC. Um, I know you and I were both high on this team coming out of the playoffs last year. I guess we'll see once we start talking about. Um, predictions if we're both still as high on them or not. Um, but both with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, um, I have the same question for both of them is who's going to back them up? Um, Logan Woodside and Cole McDonald are both like second, third-year players. Neither one of them are proven veterans. I want to see if they'll sign a proven veteran um, to back Ryan Tannehill up just in case he gets hurt. Again, he's battled injuries. Exact same thing with Derrick Henry. Um, in the past two years, they had Deion Lewis who was backing him up. Who Deion Lewis wasn't like a, a pound the ball down your throat kind of running back, but he could get you three to four yards, and he was a really good receiving running back. They don't have anybody backing up Derrick Henry who is even remotely close to Deion Lewis or, or really even going to be able to carry the team if Derrick Henry wants to get hurt. Um it's time for Corey Davis to to prove himself. They didn't pick up his fifth year option this year. Um, he's six three, two hundred and something pounds. He runs a four four, borderline a four three. He was picked fifth overall 
um, back in, I think, maybe 2015, 2016. Anyways, um, and he just hasn't he hasn't proved himself. Same thing with Adam Humphreys. He got paid last year um, after being pretty good with the Buccaneers, and then he just kind of forgot that he was supposed to, to, to do um, what they were paying him to do. Um, I love Johnny Smith. I think if not this year, possibly next year, he's going to emerge as that one of those next young tight ends. Um, he's taken over for Delaney Walker, so I'm excited to see um, how he how he does um, in his first full year having the position. Uh, and then that offensive line, man, again, um, for they're returning four of the five. Um, they lost Jack Conklin to the uh, to the to your Cleveland Browns. But they signed, signed Isaiah Wilson, who's 6'6", 300 pounds, um, and was obviously part of Georgia's line last year who, you know, could have rivaled some of the offensive lines in the, in the NFL. So I think offensively they're, they're pretty set depending on what happens with Ryan Tannehill. Defensively, man, that defensive back they've got, I would put them right up there with the New England Patriots. Um, the Buffalo Bills, I believe that this is one of the top three to five defensive back groups in the uh, in the NFL. You look at even their their backups, um, Christian Fulton, who they took out of LSU. He could be uh, he could easily come in and start on the majority of teams. Um, he should be a really good uh, nickel corner for them or slot corner for them. Um, and then Johnson Joseph, who played with the uh, Houston Texans. Again, he was really good for a really long time. He's just gotten older now, uh, but he could still be productive for you um, as a backup. I love Adoree Jackson. I love Malcolm Butler. Um, Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Bayard are two of my favorite safeties um, in the entire NFL. Um, I think the only question that I have for the uh, the Tennessee Titans is from their defensive line. Like, I, I don't have too many questions about Jeffrey Simmons, and believe it or not, I don't have too many questions about Vic Beasley Jr. Um, I'm glad that we got rid of him, but I think I think the problem for Beasley was that we expected him to live up to the, his draft position, and so there was a lot of pressure on him to be the guy. Now he's coming into a defense where he doesn't necessarily have to worry about being the guy. He can he can just focus on doing his job. And so I think Beasley's going to end up doing a lot better for the Titans than he did for the Falcons, which is not going to be hard to do. Um, Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry the third. I think both of those are really solid linebackers. Um, so not too many questions um, about their their defense besides can that their defensive line get enough pressure. They let Jarrell Casey go, um, and so that's really it for the, the Tennessee Titans, man. Um, the last thing that I think is going to kind of affect how they do is um, I don't think that they've signed a defensive coordinator, so it looks like Mike Vrabel is going to end up being the one that calls the plays. We saw the same thing kind of happen with Dan Quinn last year, and he completely, like, screwed that Atlanta Falcons defense up. Um <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the same problem with Mike Vrabel because he's from the Bill Belichick tree. But I do think that any time as a head coach that you're trying to call plays offensively or defensively, I think it just kind of takes away from your focus as a head coach. Um, so I'm interested to see if he's able to balance um, both of those, both of those positions, so to speak, well. So Tennessee Titans went nine and seven last year. 
Um, they've gone nine and seven. I'm pretty sure for the past five or six years. Uh, <laughs> over under Tennessee Titans nine wins uh, this year. Aaron April. Oh, I'm going. Or the same. I guess we'll say the same. Mm. I'm going over, but by one game. Really? I think no. Uh, maybe more. I'm going over. Let me just go with it. I'm just going to say over. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm surprised that you had to think about this. And maybe I'm wrong, dude, but I don't have to think about this at all. Um, this may shock some people. I've got them going, I've got them going over by a good bit. I've got the Tennessee Titans winning 12 games, um, which we still have to talk about the AFC North next year. But, um, as it is right now, that would put me having the Tennessee Titans with the second best record or the, the best record, um, in the AFC. So I'm really high on this team. I'm putting a lot of faith in Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, um, but I just think that they're going to both be able to stay healthy. I think that Tannehill's going to be able to um, to handle the pressure that's being put on him. I think Arthur Smith, who is their offensive coordinator, I think he's this is going to be his second year calling play, so I think he's going to be able to just continue to run the ball. I think Tannehill's going to rise to the occasion and make the plays when he needs to. Um, the play action with with Tannehill and uh, and A.J. Brown, I think, is going to be open all day long. So I'm really high on this team, really high on this defense. Um, I've got the Tennessee Titans winning 12 games this year. Oh, so. well, then, bold prediction, what do you got? So my bold prediction, staying with the Tennessee Titans, is the Tennessee Titans will go 8-0 and at home, and they'll ride that home field advantage through the playoffs. So I think they'll finish with one. Possibly, again, we still have the uh, the AFC North to, finish, to talk about. But I think the Tennessee Titans will go 8-0. and They won't lose the game at home. I think for that reason, they finish 12-4. and They'll finish with one of the top two records um, in the AFC. And that's going to give them home field advantage in the playoffs. I think they're going to continue to ride that home field advantage in the playoffs. So that's my bold prediction. What is your bold prediction, my friend? Also, you have a lot to live up to after your bold prediction from last year, last week. So, uh, good luck. Oh, my, this one is much more tame. Um, <laughs> and the reason I, I didn't want to sit a, stick a number with, uh, with the Titans is I think my bold prediction and I, it's, it's, it's mildly bold. I was trying to make it bolder, but I don't want to say what I was going to say because it's not going to happen. But that the Colts win the AFC South and oh, wow. make it deep in the playoffs. And by deep, wow. I mean like coming up shy of the, the AFC championship game. Uh, I think wow. Philip Rivers is, I know you're, you're suspect on him. I think he's puts them over the edge, gives them, delivers them the division title. Um, I'm, I'm still suspect on, uh, on Tannehill and that receiving core. And based on that and based on the Colts defense, I think it's enough, um, for the Colts to make it in, not just into the playoffs, but win the division at that. Wow. So then that means we have our first disagreement on yep. a division winner. 
You've got the Colts. I've got the Titans. I say we lock in on the board. Locked in. So this is our first disagreement. I, I, wow. I Going into this, I had the Titans as my division winner, but as we were talking through it, I was like, no, nah, I'm too suspect. I think, I think it's going to be the Colts. I think Phillip Rivers yeah. is going to step in and deliver it. Our first disagreement, so that means when we get to our, our round of kind of the playoffs of trying to mock out the playoffs, we're going to have to see, oh, we're going to figure out how we're going to go from there. We'll figure that out. Yeah. All right. One last, one last little topic. I know we're running long. We have every episode in <laughs> one word. One word. Oh, oh. I know where, I think I know no. where you're going. With flashback. That. Flashback. We're creating a hashtag. In a hat, in the form of a hashtag. Oh, man. I want All you right. to describe Pat Mahomes' payday. Oh man, I knew that's where you were going. I was a you. Oh man, one hashtag, a hashtag. One, one uh, hashtag. Okay, let me think. Let me think. Hashtag. Uh, this is probably not too exciting, but I'm just going hashtag change the game. Change the game. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes hashtag change the game. All right. <laughs> Hashtag money in the bank, shoddy what you drank. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's awesome. If you missed it, Pat Mahomes got paid uh paid. yesterday. Paid. And I'm assuming Dodgers has changed the game with the fact that he's making MLB style money for the first time in the NFL. Uh a ten year contract. Good lord, ten years is a long time. Um mm. I can't imagine working in the same place for 10 years. I've, I've bounced around <laughs> all of my, my schools. But, uh, whew. All right, anything you want, you want to uh, leave the good people with? No, nah, man, that contract is worth up to $503 million. Uh, all that. Uh, incentives and everything. So, uh, yeah, he got paid, dude. That's all I've got to say, man. You can, you can end this. <laughs> I, if you want to be a part of one of our upcoming podcasts, let us know. Reach out to us. Uh, the, the NFC South, which is in two weeks, has already been taken. But the AFC North is next week, which I am very excited for. And the NFC West is wide open. Or if you'd like to get in on the commentary and discussion of our mock playoffs that we're going to create, uh, let us know. And we can see if um, – We'll try and swing some people in, uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> bring something good to the table. Uh, but outside of that, this has been another episode, and we're out.